0: Hi there friends, I am so excited to be starting this brand new series with you called Balanced. And the reason why we're doing this series is I just, uh, I really feel like coming out of a a season of challenge and maybe even a season of lack. And some people have more than enough resources in this time, some have a lack, they maybe have not enough resources. And uh, I believe that everyone needs wisdom for finances. You know that the scriptures are so clear that Jesus has spoken about money so often in the scriptures, we know that at least 11 parables, of the 39 parables recorded in the Gospels, Jesus directly uh, speaks about finances, speaks about money. We know that there's more than 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. You know there's only about 500 verses on prayer and and 500 verses on on, on faith, not even 500 verses on faith, but there's more than 2,000 verses about money and possessions. That means that it's important for us to understand, to be able to submit our hearts to God when it comes to our finances our finances the way we manage our money affects every part of our life and i just want to open with second corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 says and god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And this is my desire for each and every one of us over the next few weeks, is that God is going to show us how we can harness His abundance, how we can have more than enough, and how we can be equipped and, and actually provided for so that we can be part of what He's doing on the planet right now. I believe God wants grace to abound to you. And there you are, I don't know if you've got too much and you don't know what to do with it, but most of the people, often God provides what we need, but we mismanage it. Um finances are not balanced, they're unbalanced. And when those, when our priorities and our financial management is not ban- balanced, it affects every part of our lives. And so I also want to give credit to Andy Stanley. We're going to be using Andy Stanley's uh, just small group material. We're going to be using his series for our small groups, for our light groups over the next six weeks. And we're going to be drawing from Andy's material for Sundays as well. So just want a big shout out to North Point uh, Church in Atlanta, in the United States, and Andy Stanley and the team there. What a privilege that we have to be able to glean from them, learn from them, and use some of their stuff, and share some of our own revelations from God's Word. And so I want to open with this video clip that Andy Stanley uh, starts his whole series with, and I think it's going to help you to see how important it is for us to balance and how we can keep our balance.
1: Well, today we're beginning a brand new series, and we're talking about... You ready for this? Balance. Now, here's what we're going to do, because talking about money makes some of you nervous. We're going to begin this series by talking about the laws. I call them the laws of physical balance, and there's three. And if you understand the laws of physical balance, it's going to be much easier for you to think properly in terms of financial balance. So, If you don't come back and you don't like anything else you hear and you're not really not into the God and the church thing, if you'll remember these three things and begin to weave your financial thinking through these three um, laws, it will help you tremendously. The The first law of balance is called, I call it the reference point. That whenever you're balancing something, you have to have a proper reference point. And as long as I stay focused on the top of this pole, it's easy to balance. If I look away, I lose balance. Even if I look at my hand it's hard to keep balance, but as long as I have the proper reference point, it's easy to balance. If you've ever talked to or know anyone or participated in competitive cheerleading, when they do those like amazing stunts and you've seen it on television or maybe live competition and there's some girl like four people up and she's standing on somebody's hand and, and you're thinking, how do they do that? The person on the top of the stunt is told, find a stationary point and focus your make, your make that your focus. And as long as you keep your focus there, as long as you have the proper reference point, you'll be able to maintain balance. At the end of today's message, I'm going to tell you what the proper reference point is for all of your finances, for all of your life. And if you'll keep your focus there, you'll be able to maintain balance. Isn't that great? That was probably worth getting all dressed up and coming for, right? Okay, the second, second thing is, the second, the second law of balance is constant or, you know, constant corrections. You have to make constant corrections, right? If you look at my hand, constant corrections, constant corrections, right? You can't keep it still. You have to make constant corrections. If you have ever tried to walk over a board or a plank over a creek, have you ever done that? You're like in the woods or something, and you're following somebody, or you've got to get across the creek, and there's like a branch. And what do you do? You put your arms out, and you do what? You make constant corrections. You've got a point of reference. You're going to look right where you're going, and then you make constant corrections. Or maybe more appropriate for you, um, if you've ever been pulled over by the police... And they uh, draw that white chalk line or they take you over to a line and they say, we want you to walk that line, you know, and you go over to that line and you put your hands out and you begin. And let me just say this. If if you have to put your hands out in order to walk a straight line, you might as well go ahead and get in the back seat with the German shepherd because it, it's, it's over <laughs> for you. OK, but you know what I mean? Whenever you walk, in other words, you, we all know when to keep balance. We have to make. Constant corrections that's the second law. The third law is whenever you're balancing something you have to have a clear objective. in other words I got to know what I'm doing I'm trying to keep this pole vertical. I'm trying to get across the creek I'm trying to go home in my car and not to the precinct in his car. you know you have to have a clear objective. what is it you're trying to do and these are the three laws of balance and if you will learn to weave these three laws into your finances, you will be financially balanced now.
0: Great friends, so as you see, it's important for us to be balanced financially because that affects every part of our lives. And like Andy said, you need to have the proper reference point. What's your reference? Where are you at with your finances? You need to make constant corrections. And that's so important because you can't have a a static financial uh, management plan. You need to make constant corrections. And we need to have a clear objective. We need to know the goal of the finances that God has entrusted to us. Now you need to settle something about God and your provision, God and money. That, uh, that financial management is not about how much you have. Financial management is what you do with what you have. Financial management is not just about, listen, Lord, just give me more and can I win the lotto? It's actually proven that many people that have won the lotto are actually worse off after winning the lotto than before they were. It's often a, a reality that people don't have the capacity to receive so much. And it's amazing how sometimes a lot of influ- a lot of um, provision comes into our lives, but we don't know how to handle it. My friend John Populi speaks about financial management like this. And he said, if you don't have the capacity to handle more, no matter how much more God gives you, if your capacity is not big enough, no matter how much more God gives you, you will, you will not be able to harness it. It'll go to waste. He uses a, a 500 ml um, bottle and he says, let me pour 20 liters of water into a 500 milliliter bottle. If you've got a 500 milliliter bottle and you pour 20 liters of water into that 500 milliliter bottle, after emptying the 20 liters of, of water, into the 500ml, how much will you be left with? You'll only be left with 500ml. Because if your capacity is only for 500ml, no matter how much extra, no matter how many litres extra gets poured in, it's, it's, it's 40 times more than what, what you had. No matter how much extra gets poured in, What your capacity is determines what you'll have left over. And that's what happens with finances. I'm trusting over the next six weeks that God's going to enlarge our capacity. Enlarge our capacity to receive from Him. Enlarge our capacity to steward His finances well. Enlarge our capacity in order to be the blessing that He wants us to be. And I believe that God is the God of abundance. I believe God is the God that provides for us, that there's no shortage in God. And so uh, you need to settle something right at the beginning, is that God saved you, God loves you, and like Jesus said, He actually said this in Luke 11, He said, our Father in heaven, how much more will our Father in heaven not give good gifts to us who ask Him? He is a loving Father, He's a gracious Father, and He loves providing for His children. He's not the God of just, just enough, he is the God of more than enough. Ask Jesus, when he took the five loaves and the two fish and he multiplied it, what happened? There was 12 baskets left over. And even though 5,000 men and their wives and their children ate, God provided the same with the, with the 4,000 people. There were baskets full left over. And so what I found was, I found that part of your salvation is healing. Part of your salvation is freedom from sin. That is huge, eternal salvation. But also part of our salvation is the fact That God becomes our source and that God provides for us more than enough. The issue is, what do we do with that provision? Exodus chapter 12, verse 35, we see how part of the Israelites, part of the people of God's salvation journey, part of their, their journey of freedom included a financial restoration, a freedom from bondage, a freedom from from oppression, and a freedom from lack, a freedom from not having enough. It says in verse 35 of Exodus chapter 12, it says, the Israelites did as Moses instructed them and asked the Egyptians. They didn't have to take it. They didn't have to force it. God made it available to them. They just had to take hold of it. It says, for articles of silver, gold, and for clothing. Another translation would say for fine linen. It says in verse 36, The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. I'm here to say to you, friends, is that that the enemy has got the provision, and he's trying to hold it away from us. But when you and I come into salvation and into a relationship with God, God gives us favor, and God unlocks the resources that the enemy had his hands on. God unlocks those resources, into our lives. He actually unlocks it and He provides miraculously for us. And so the question I have is not can God provide for us? The question I believe God is saying is what will you do with the provision that I give you? I'm here to say to you friends is that God gives wealth. God, uh, He provides for His children. He's not, he's not a stingy God. There's no stinginess in God. God is generous for He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God held nothing back. And so part of the gospel is the fact that our God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. It says in verse 19 of Ecclesiastes 5, listen to this, friends. God provides for us so that we can enjoy His provision. It says in verse 19 of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, watch that. God gives you wealth, He gives you possessions, because He wants you to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil. So, it includes work, to be happy in work. He says, this is a gift of God. You must understand that all provision that you have in your life comes from God. We're going to open the books today, and we're going to learn a few principles. We're going we're to learn a few principles, but what we need to understand firstly is we need to understand where the money comes from, and we need to understand who the boss is when it comes to finances. Too many people are not the boss of their finances. Their finances and provision and the systems of the world dictate to them how they should live and how they should spend their money. But God wants you and me to receive from Him, to enjoy what He gives us, and and, and to be happy in the work that He provides for us. Verse 2 of Ecclesiastes 6 shares the opposite, that even though God, there's believers that I've seen, God provides, He gives some people wealth, and even unbelievers, He gives them wealth, possessions, and honor, so that they lack nothing. Their heart, nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. See, friends, if you and I get from God, but we don't honor Him, honor His word when it comes to our finances, you know what happens? We don't enjoy the provision. Strangers, other people enjoy the provision that God gave to us. They enjoy it, and He says, this is meaningless, a grievous evil. Now, I don't know how you want to live. Do you want to live your life where you enjoy the blessing of God, you enjoy the provision of God, and you're walking in the gift of God? Or do you want to live your life in a form of grievous evil where God has provided for you but you can never enjoy your, your provision. I've seen so many people, sometimes extremely wealthy, sometimes having so much, but they never get the chance to enjoy it. They don't have a relationship with their children. They're not able to. They don't have relationships with their wives or husbands. They don't have relationships with their parents. And they, they've got holiday homes that they can never go to because they're always having to work. They've got cars that they can never drive because they never have time for that. They've got holidays that they can go to. or they can. There's so many things. I've, I remember seeing this amazingly expensive yacht At uh, the the waterfront in Cape Town once, and I asked him how often does the owner get a chance to ride this? And he said a few days a year. And it was multiple millions. the, The yacht was worth millions upon millions. I said, is the owner here? They said, no, no, no. The owner's not here right now. This is just the crew, and we are maintaining it. This guy's paying for a whole crew to look after his yacht, and he's only got use of it a few days a year. I believe that finances have a few principles, and if you if you try and violate, the, violate those principles, you will not enjoy the blessing and the gift of the provision that God unlocked in your life. So there's a few things that I learned from Andy Stanley, and I want to share that with you. Firstly, finances follow the law of harvest, not the law of Pinocchio. <laughs> they follow the law of harvest, not the law of Pinocchio. See, many people think that with finances, you can do whatever you want. You can spend whatever you want. You can swipe that credit card. You can go into overdraft. You can buy the extra car, get a balloon payment, make a little bit of a stupid decision. And don't worry, it's Pinocchio. It's not going to, it's not going to come back to you. you now the truth be told is, with finances, what you sow, you're going to reap later. The decisions you make today, you're going to live in the fruit of them to- tomorrow. And it'll be later, and it'll probably be greater. Because a harvest is often bigger than the seed sown. And so it's not going to lie, friends, if you and I make decisions today, if you and I uh, choose to buy cars today that we can't necessarily afford, if we choose to go into debt, if we choose to to pay for things today that that we were unwise with, we're going to pay for it Later, Some people only pay for it in a year's time. Others still pay for it in 10 years time. Many people cannot send their children, for, cannot give their children an education because they are too proud to downscale their house or downscale their car. Some people, they, they never get to a place where they can actually say, listen, we're able to take some time off. Why? Because they've got to work. Some people never get an opportunity to be able to, to they become a burden on others later on because they were not able to put away when, f- for the days that they are unable to work. And what happens is it's because of small little decisions that were made today and now you're paying the price for it later. That's the first thing. Finances will not follow uh, the law of Pinocchio. It'll follow the law of the harvest. Secondly, finances do not allow, uh, follow a fairness doctrine. We all think, no, finance is all about being fair. It's, it's, the Bible actually says the rich get richer and the poor often get poorer. We, we see that. It's, it's, it's actually the... Um, it's an observation that, that, we, that we find in the Scriptures. It's sometimes a truth, is that it's not fair. Sometimes just because someone is righteous and because they're good, you can't just say, well, that's fair. No, friends, sometimes unfair things happen to, to good people. And just because you're working very hard, is not a guarantee that you're going to be extremely rich. I know some people that work exceptionally hard, and they're not extremely uh, wealthy. Um, I, I think that just like this, is you cannot... You, it's not always fair, it doesn't show on your balance, uh, balance sheet um, and you can say it's not fair and it's true, it's not fair. But I, I've learned this, I've learned that even with socialism, I've learned with communism is that if you try to make things fair you realize that it doesn't work because we don't want fair, we want freedom and we want justice. I believe that if, if you want it fair someone else must take responsibility for your financial well-being. And actually, the Bible teaches that you and I, under God, we are responsible for our financial well-being. And we need to learn how to, how to live within our means. And I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's Old uh, Dave Ramsey usually say, says this. He says you should learn, need to learn how to act your wage. Act your wage. Live within what God provides for you. And I believe that even as we are seeking to have balance in our, in, our, in our finances, balancing the financial management, I believe what we need is we need to be able to bring our hearts to God, know that God is the giver of everything, that we are stewards of God's amazing provision, and that we can trust Him. And I believe that when you not balanced financially, it's actually an indication of your character. Because unbalanced, finan- uh, unbalanced financial life often shows that you do not have self-control, if you are heavily in debt, or maybe all you're doing the whole time is, is you're focusing on saving or only sp- focusing on spending or only focusing on giving. Oh, Mark, did you say uh, I mustn't only focus on giving? Yeah, this, this series is not about getting people to give more. This series is about us getting, becoming biblical and, and fearing God and trusting God and honoring God with our finances. This is not just honoring God with a part of our finances, but honoring God with all of our finances. Jesus spoke about finances more then heaven and hell combined. Why? Because he knew that if we are unbalanced financially, it actually has a direct connection to our character. And so if your walk with God is struggling, I believe it will show in your finances. I believe one of the ways that you can grow in your walk with God is through being faithful with your finances. Your finances touches every part of your life. It'll touch your relationships. It'll touch your marriage. It'll touch every part of your life. It even connects to my prayer life. And finances will reveal where my heart is. Because Jesus said this. He said in verse 21 of Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. He finds this, Jesus makes this divine connection between treasures, finances, and heart. And he says, your treasures often indicate and show us where your heart is. Your treasures often show us what your priorities are. Your treasures often, often show us wh- where, where your affections lie. Now, if my affections, if my treasures are, and friends, this is why this week is very important, because as you start getting to know where your treasures are, you're going to start finding out where your heart is. And um, the, better you, the, the better you manage and balance the, the finances that God entrusts to you, it shows with where your priorities and your heart lies. And also what I found was, I found that many people say to me, Mark, I really want to be used by God. I want to be a powerful uh, woman of God, or I want to be able to raise my kids in the fear of God. I, I want to be able to minister, preach God's word powerfully. I want, to be, I want to go to the nations. I want to make a difference. I want to lead. I want to build the kingdom. I'm like, yes, well done. You know where you can start? Start by managing the little bit of money that God gives you, managing that well. Start by balancing Your finances. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11, it says, So if you have not been trustworthy, can you say trustworthy? I know you're at home. Can you say trustworthy? He says, If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Watch this. He's saying, Jesus is connecting true riches. And if you look at the context, he's talking about eternal riches. And what are eternal riches? Our understanding from the scriptures, eternal riches are the souls of men. It's, it's ministry. It's what, what lasts forever. It's it's that kingdom that, 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 that never fades. It's, it's ministering the word of God, the life of God, the love of God. That's eternal riches. Now, many people say, why doesn't God trust me with great eternal riches? I'm here to say to you, friends, you need to be faithful and trustworthy with worldly wealth with temporary riches. And then God's going to be able to open up. I believe the more faithful we are with our finances, the more faithful we'll be in the kingdom of God. And so that sounds like, it sounds crazy, but that is a test. It's a test worth passing. It's a test that you and I can engage with every single time we spend money. We can say, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to trust you and I want to be faithful, I want to be trustworthy with these, this little bit. I mean temporary money it's this here today gone tomorrow god's saying i 'm giving you a chance'm giving you a chance to grow'm giving you a chance to grow in your dependence on my spirit i 'm giving you a chance to grow in the fruit of the spirit love, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, 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 self-control some of the fruit of the spirit God wants you and me to grow in uh, you know it 's amazing for me and uh, that, 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 that your finances will also show. Uh, just look at your spending and it will show where your heart is. And um, Luke chapter 16 verse 13 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, a better translation actually would say you cannot serve both God and mammon, because mammon is the spirit that often accompanies money. Mammon it, it, it contends for your heart. He doesn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil. He actually says you cannot serve both God and money because mammon and money go together. Now think about this. He says you cannot serve both God and mammon. But why? Because mammon is this love for money. And, and, and Paul actually writes to Timothy and he says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is an opportunity to be faithful. Money is an opportunity to, to, to be trustworthy with temporary things so that I can grow in my trustworthiness with eternal things. Money is a gift. Money is an opportunity, but the love of money will destroy you. Why? Because what we do is if we love money, you know what we end up doing? We end up using God to get money. We're using God so that we can worship Money. We want to worship uh, money by using God. God, will you please provide for me because I I worship money. I worship status. I worship comfort. I worship provision. And if you worship that, you'll end up using God. You will not love God. You'll despise God. You'll use God to get money. Some people, even with the prosperity gospel, they've used God to get money. That means God's not your God, but money is your God. Mammon, this spirit is in control in your life. And so actually God says, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with money. You must just understand the purpose of money. Money should be used to glorify God. Money should be used so that we can worship God. And I'm going to touch on this in the series, but it's so powerful for me because what the Israelites ended up doing is they ended up using the very provision, the gold, the earrings, the, the, the provision, the blessing of God, the prosperity of God. They started using that. And they ended up making a golden calf for themselves. They worshipped their, their very provision, their prosperity. No, God never ever wants you and me to worship prosperity. I want to ask you, friends, where's your heart? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Andy Stanley said, he said, Just, uh, Jesus never asked for money. You know, Jesus is not interested in getting your money. Jesus never asked for money. His goal, his goal was not to get it, but it was to keep it from getting us. I'll say that again, Jesus never asked for money, his goal was not to get it, get money from us, his goal was to keep money from getting us, why, because he wants us to live free from the love of money, so that we can worship him with all our lives, I want to ask you today, Andy Stanley's going to talk about this in our small groups as well, in our light groups, Andy Stanley says this and I, I think this is what you need to do, do this week, do yourself a favor, go and spy on your money. Go and spy on your spending. Go and look. Go and track what you're spending money on. And as you track your spending, you're going to be able to see where your heart is. You're going to be able to see everything. If you, go, if you just spend, if you spend a, a, a small amount on a coffee, or maybe you spend some money at a grocery store, maybe you put fuel in your car, every single thing that you spend, just track it. Just record your spending, and you'll be able to see where your money's going. And today I want to ask you, just where you are at. Maybe you're far from God and you just decided to watch this and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Today I want to say this, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I can experience him close, so that we can experience his abundance, not only financially but at every level of our lives, so that we can be free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt, free from the curse. And if you are far from God, today is your day of salvation. But if you're close to God, friends, today is an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I want to see the correct purpose of money. I want to open the books. I want to see where my treasures are so that I can actually realize where my heart is. I want to see that if I can grow in faithfulness with my finances, I can be more balanced in my finances. I'll actually grow in being more balanced and faithful in my walk with God and in my life. And so my prayer for you today is that you'll grow in your balance financially. Please don't miss out on this weekly time. And if you can connect with us in person, please connect with us we love you I want to pray for you Jesus I speak your blessing your favor I speak faith over every man and woman I pray in this finance series that we will grow in faith to know that you are Jehovah Jireh our provider and Lord that you will show us give us tools give us handles give us wisdom on how to steward the finances that you trust us with in Jesus name